0: greetings greetings my dear audience here on the east coast of the united states new york the spring is in full bloom the sun is shining and that is beautiful i am peter resnick and welcome to the dr peter resnick's toolbox thank you very much to all those who send me emails this week i received some of some very very nice thanks and good advice regarding the radio show nice wishes i truly appreciate your feedback i want to remind those who would like to write to me my email uh, address is drpeterresnik at gmail.com i welcome your emails and also if you want to call me during this show uh, with your comments or questions you can do this as well the number to call is 888-874 Four eight eight eight. In fact, particularly during this show, you may want to call because I will give you uh, some mental imagery exercises. I will be guiding those who are interested in participating. So uh, it may be a useful thing for you to share with your experience and hear my feedback. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here is the number again: eight 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 seven four. 4888. Last week, I had an interesting interview with Vladimir Engert, an internationally acclaimed psychic and energy healer. If you missed it, you can find uh, the interview in the archives, the show of March 30th. Next week, I will have here another remarkable person, Madame Marion Bleek who is a French psychologist and healer who has been practicing some very interesting techniques I wanted to to hear about. Uh, She's been practicing them in France and here in the United States. She has been a good friend of mine for many years, for over 30 years. I hope you understand by now why I'm bringing on this show all these professionals. And I intend to continue doing it. Yes, I share with you my tools, many tools that I accumulated over the years of my practice. But the truth is, no one method works for everyone. That is why I want, I want you to have a broad view of what is available out there. The saddest thing I hear sometimes when people say, well, my doctor said there is nothing that can be done. It is so unfair and maybe also dishonest. Um, It can be not out of necessarily deliberate intent, but out of ignorance that some say it. The right thing I believe to say is by any professional, if they cannot find a way to help a patient. The right thing I believe to say is there is nothing that my approach or there is nothing that conventional medicine if it's a medical doctor uh, that western conventional medicine can do conventional western medicine though having done great strides in the emergency medicine in diagnostics did not make much progress in treating many degenerative disorders in 1970 richard nixon announced the war on cancer then one in 20 women were diagnosed with breast cancer today 50 years later one in seven women have breast cancer it's time to become more humble and look for what's available in the big world over the years i worked with many cancer patients with people suffering from asthma uh, gastrointestinal disorders heart and blood vessel disorders also with mental and emotional problems using the tools that i've been sharing with you in the future i will do a show in fact based on my course heal your heart with mind body therapy and another one treatment and prevention of cancer but there are many wonderful practitioners uh, who are very successful in treating human ills with different modalities Uh, And just like conventional medicine, none of them is effective with all problems, as far as I know. And one approach can be very effective in helping some people, and marginally effective with others. There is that X factor, the unknown. We may never know why. Uh, Why somebody is helped, somebody is not, somebody is doing well, even though they have very serious illness and somebody is deteriorating and, and unfortunately dying even though the problem didn't seem so so bad and we must learn to live with it but i want you to be exposed to as many modalities as i know with maybe just the one that works for you it has my firm belief and experience that though our mental and emotional conflicts and struggles may not be the only cause of our physical illnesses. There are always some of the majors these are some of the major contributing factors where we are mental, emotionally, spiritually. And it is much easier and healthier and cheaper to prevent the breakdown of the system than to try to fix it try to fix it with what what is already broken. That is why I have been working on my book uh, and produce a series of videos called Six Pillars of Wellbeing. I already covered here, on my shows, the three pillars out of six. Um, If you missed any of the talks and get interested in the subject, you can access all these shows on PRN's archives on February 23rd I spoke about the one pillar physical reality on March 9th I spoke about our thoughts feelings and self-talk and what effect they have on our well or ill being and on March 23rd I spoke about the social conditioning and we even started that's two weeks ago, exploring the fourth pillar, our unconscious beliefs and attitudes about life. We did some mental imagery exercises, but I think there are a few couple, two or three. Today, I'm ready to take you through more exercises, exploring the unconscious beliefs. Um, I will give you a couple of exercises exercises and see if there are callers who have some feedbacks uh, and more questions. I will not give you all of them. It would take too much time. And again, I do not know, frankly, how many people are actually doing these exercises. You know, I have been teaching courses in person for years and years and years. And this is the first time where I do a radio show, I cannot see my students or listeners, A kind of challenging experience for me. Uh, so it would be so beneficial for those who do go through the exercises to share with what they experienced beneficial to them if they particularly if they are not clear of what they actually encountered remember the purpose of these exercises is to discover what the unconscious beliefs are and most importantly if what you discover is not in keeping with what you consciously want in your life what you consciously want to influence your life most important is to correct those images and therefore transform the old beliefs because the beliefs are encapsulated in the images transform the old beliefs into new more appropriate to your values of the now beliefs so let's do now let's start so if you can find a comfortable place please sit straight up with your arms on the arms of the chair or on your lap if there is no there are no arms in your chair and close your eyes and just breathe gently and evenly long slow exhalations nice and easy inhalations breathing out twice as slow as breathing in you're not getting hypnotized in fact when you breathe like this you bring more oxygen to your brain so you become more active your mind is clearer in receiving images not making them up whatever comes except and now see yourself failing As you try to achieve one of your goals. Breathe out one time. See yourself failing once again at something else. Notice how you feel. What do you say to yourself? When i say breathe out as you're breathing out the whole scene the whole image disappears the mind becomes kind of blank so breathe out one time gently and think or imagine going into a gigantic cave and you see on the other side of the cave a light go go toward the light and as you get closer to the light you see an old and very wise-looking person sitting there. Ask the person, what prevents you from succeeding? When you get an answer, thank the person. Go out of the cave. Come back into the room where you are. When ready, open your eyes. Now, this exercise was designed for discovering two things. One, to see how you treat yourself when things do not go the way you wish they would be. The other is to see if you can connect with your inner guide, that old wise person. Of course, it's a symbolic person. It's part of you. And you you can receive guidance from him or her. If you found that you were critical or judgmental of yourself, it's very important that you make a note of it. Uh, Because when you judge yourself, uh, when you do not succeed, it makes it much more difficult to succeed next time. And I will be addressing the issue of judgment doing uh the work on on the fifth pillar so uh, maybe today today maybe in a couple of weeks if you received an answer from the wise person that's the second thing that we were trying to accomplish follow the advice because remember this is the higher part of you your uh you can call it subconscious mind you can call it your guardian angel you can call it whatever you wish There is a part of us that is aware of what our true needs are. So let's do the next exercise. Just sit comfortably and close your eyes. And find yourself in a dark tunnel. You look around and see at the distance, there is a light. You know that this is a way out of the darkness. You begin to walk quickly toward the light. Suddenly you realize that your movements are slowing down. It's as if you are constricted. Something is pulling you back. So you stop, you touch your back. And feel that there is a rope or ropes that are attached to your clothing that you are wearing. You turn around and begin to follow the rope or the ropes. All the way back to the source to where this rope or ropes are coming from. Remember in the world where you are, in the world of imagination, everything is possible. You are safe to go there. You continue going back into the dark tunnel you want to go all the way back and see who or what is holding the ropes that are pulling you back when you get the answer when you see what or who it is right there and then decide what you want to do with it and do it then turn around and go toward the light. Find your way out and see what's awaiting for you there. When ready, open your eyes. This exercise was about discovering if there is anything or anyone within you or outside that holds you back from growing and achieving your goals. And also, it is an opportunity to see and use your will and imagination at asserting what you want in your life. It's an opportunity to use your will to be free to achieve what you want. Remember, keep in mind that anything that you want can be accomplished first in imagination. And sometimes people say to me, so so, what's the big deal, you know, you imagine? So it's all in your mind. In fact, recently I, I had, I want to share with you something. I had this experience, uh, um, uh, a teenager who was kind of bullied, was bullied in, in school kids would make fun of me. Uh, of me. <laughs> Oops, it's a Freudian sleep. No, kids did not make fun of me, honestly. Uh, that's because I knew how to fight. My brother taught me martial arts when I was little. Nevertheless, the Freudian sleep did happen. So this kid, a teenager, I was made fun of. The kids kind of threatened him, but not enough that, that Something serious could happen, and he didn't want his mother to to go to the principal and so on. And so I started seeing him. And at one point, I asked him to go into the experience, back to see his uh, classmates kind of uh, making remarks or threatening him. And then I asked him to think or imagine that he is standing up for himself. And he did, you know, uh, depending on the person's temperament, uh, they, they imagine different things. But he actually imagined kicking them and, and beating them up uh, and then making peace with them. And, and that's all. What happened after that, he actually shared with his mother, uh, because he's still at younger age, younger than 16. So legally, I can actually with his permission, uh, talk to his parents uh, about his experiences. Actually, because because he's younger than 16, even without his permission, I would have legal right. But I I don't. But particularly, he is younger than 16. And so the same day, his mother said, "What, what was during the session? And he told her. And his mother called me and said, you know, this is delusional. You know, so what did he? kind of fought in the imagination. In the real life, you know, the the reality is the same. You know, they're bullying him. I said, listen, give give him a chance. Give it time. And then what happened? And then his mother called me approximately four or five days later. What happened? He told me, also in our next session. What happened was when he went to school next day, he walked into a class remember our brain think what happens our brain does not know the difference between an image in a physical reality and waking reality that's there is a whole study now about what is called um mirror neurons i cannot go now into it but remember our brain does not register the difference between the imaginal an actual physical reality so he had such an experience in his imagination that the way he carried himself was different already when he walked into that classroom because it was the first time that year because they they uh, this year actually um and he does go to school uh you know some kids now go uh, to school how do you call it on Zoom, or, uh, but he goes physically. So, but it was the first time nobody gave him a look or made the comment. And he felt strong and confident. And of course, the next day he felt even more confident that he spoke to those who kind of were bullying him in the past and the whole world changed for him. And he told me this and his mother told me. She didn't understand what happened, but that's that's the report. But I want you to appreciate it. I want, because we'll continue doing these exercises. It's a very powerful tool, imagination. When you make a correction within the image that is disturbing, you are actually changing uh, the blueprint of your life yet to come. Okay, now no more detours. Let's go to the next exercise. Sit comfortably, close your eyes. Breathe out gently three times, long, slow exhalations, nice and easy inhalations. Breathing out twice as slow as breathing in. And see yourself climbing a ladder of success and reaching the top. In whatever way it comes what do you see what happens how do you feel then you can open your eyes this exercise is designed for discovering if you have an inner vision of what lies beyond you reaching your immediate goals And also, inquiring if there are any fears of you succeeding. I I actually gave this exercise to many people. I cannot, (laughs) I will not know the other detours. But some people discovered that they had fears when they reached the top. They had fear of losing some people that they loved because of resentment or envy and so on. And that held them back. So, it's a very important exercise. Let's do the next one. Close your eyes and breathe out slowly, gently, long, slow exhalation, nice and easy inhalation. And see yourself celebrating your victories and your successes. See yourself sharing with those who are important in your life, your success. Look around and see who is sharing with you your joy and how. Now breathe out one time. Think or imagine yourself being very ill, or being defeated, failing, in a bad place. See now who is around you, who is helping you to survive, and stand up on your own feet. Then open your eyes. This exercise is designed so you could see if there is deep knowledge within, within you who uh, your true friends are. You know, with in response to some exercises, uh, information could have come that you already know. Nothing new comes up, but times not always something new comes up that you did not even suspect and that's why these are all exploratory exercises and if you learn something out of 10 exercises you learn you respond to one or two with valuable information that's already fantastic don't expect from yourself to to be in the always with every exercise okay Let's do another one, close your eyes. Breathe out gently, three times. Long, slow exhalations, nice and easy inhalations. And see a child hiding under the bed. Find a way to befriend the child. and ask the child, what or why, what is the reason the child is hiding there? When ready, open your eyes. Now this exercise was exploring Actually, the possibility of any fear within you that you're not connected with, possibly coming from long ago, as you understand the child were you. And very often uh, people tell me, Oh, the child, I saw a little child, or I saw my child, or some, some child who said to me that she or he was playing hide and seek. But at times I had experiences where people told me that uh, the child could not speak up; he was hiding from dad, who was screaming and a lot, a lot of pain. Not not that often, but it happens. So, now what do you do? What do you do if you discover that? That's a huge question. Unfortunately, I cannot do this now if you were to call i would talk to you about it but it's just hypothetical don't want to take time Um, again i would talk uh, work with you now and give you instructions what to do if you're not comfortable calling and if you discovered something that is distressing what my advice would be send me an email and ask me questions because you cannot leave it unattended it's just like a night dream that is unattended. In fact, you know Talmud. In Talmud it's written, if one had a dream that caused him anguish, must one must go back and turn it to good. Which means you always must make some kind of a correction. But with that child inside of you, it has to be done very gently and very carefully and very surely that you, that you know what you're doing. Okay? Let's do one more exercise. Close your eyes. And this next exercise is to determine your will, your desire to be alive. I give this exercise to all people who have serious physical illnesses and even to many people who have mental and emotional challenges. Why? Because we really need to know how much a person is interested in living and putting up a fight for becoming well. So close your eyes. Breathe out one time, long, slow exhalation, and think or imagine a circle of light above you, perhaps a couple of feet above you, but a large circle. And around the circle, you see numbers from 1 to 10 going like clockwise, but, you know, hours are 12. But here are the numbers from 1 to 10. Know that 1 means no will to be alive, no wanting to be alive. And 10 is the greatest will to be alive. Now, I want you to focus these numbers. now as you are there around that, Circle, but you focus now on a black dot in the center of the circle. Only with your peripheral vision you see the numbers around the circle. Keep focusing on the dot. After a while, one of the numbers will begin to flash, to blink. See what number it is. Make sure you know what number it is, then open your eyes. Now, majority of people uh, will see uh, something like 10 or 9 or 8. But I have seen people who had number 1, number 2. So we'll do now the next exercise. um, Because anything that is below 7 or 8 is not, not a good number. So you need to do something about it. Remember, what you received uh, is the truth. If you did not make it up, of course, you can make it up, you can fantasize. Remember, fantasy is never useful with imagery because it covers what the truth is. So when the number came spontaneously, started flashing, then you knew the truth. And you may be pleased with it, or you may be surprised. So this exercise is for those who discovered that the will to be alive is less than eight? Close your eyes. And focus on your chest. Keep focusing on your chest. And ask your all knowing self to come out of you, in any shape or form it can to appear before you and position itself in front of you in any way it can come out wait whatever comes sometimes it's an image of a person sometimes a cloud whatever it is allow it to happen let it unfold Once you see or feel the presence of it, thank it for coming. And ask it what you need to do or to change in your life in order for the will to be alive to be greater than what you just learned. When you get an answer, thank it for giving you this feedback. See it going back into your chest. Then open your eyes. And I hope you got uh, an answer. Those of you who joined me with this exercise, if anybody had a number that was less than eight. And then you have to act upon it. You will may say, oh, maybe this is my fantasy. Uh, what kind of all knowing self? I have to tell you something. I learned about all knowing self maybe some 20 years ago. I read an article, I believe it's Dr. Demgard, who was um, a regular psychiatrist and was working with. Multiple personality disorder. You know when when people switch from one personality to another, and in fact, sometimes personalities have no idea that another one exists. There are a number of movies. There have been a number of movies with this um, multiple personality disorder. Um, and so she reported of having this experience. She decided, and it's also a technique in psychology and psychiatry when you work with multiple personality disorder, when when a person kind of lives and shares fully, and all these personalities are identified, you create a tea party. So she invited all personalities, and there were three, let's say, I don't remember the name, John, Steve, and Judy. Um, And she invited them all to the party. And the whole idea is to do integration. It's not important how it's done, we're not dealing with it now. But the doctor reported that somehow she she used the language, she said the sentence in a in a in a way that was kind of an open-ended sentence. Not deliberately, but it just that's how it came out. Uh, she said um, okay so, because she knew there is steve uh, john and judy and nevertheless she said so steve you are the one who is the guide who is the, uh, running the show most of the time so how many of you are there and suddenly the answer came there are four of us and so she was quite surprised because she knew only of, of three personalities And she said, who, name yourselves, please. And then, of course, John answered, it's me, John. And then there was, hi, it's me, Stephen." And then, hi, feminine um, voice, it's me, Judy. And then a quiet answer, and me, the all-knowing self. I was here before them, I will be there after them. And so when she heard this, report and i don't remember now it's been so long uh, how she proceeded but she wrote that she started questioning now every person um who she worked with 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 multiple personality disorders and even people who didn't have the disorder multiple personality disorder if there was such thing as all-knowing self and many reported that they had it now you can say well maybe this is a fantasy okay possible everything is possible Um, but the most important is whether or not it's valuable and she found being valuable and i definitely in these last 20 years found it being super valuable and when you connect with that all-knowing self you can periodically call for it you can ask it questions remember Even if you get answers and they are contradicting to what you consciously want, you are free to make choices of what you want to do. But it's good to have yet another advisor in your mind. Okay, good. Now, thank you for participating. I think it's enough for today, taking you through this unconscious beliefs. Uh, Of course, I gave you only a small part of these exploratory exercises, so you could appreciate what they're about and possibly benefit from the exercises. If you're interested in going through the whole program, not just uh, uh, this fourth pillar, all six pillars, uh, you can get it on my website, drpeterresnik.com. Actually, it's for sale, but it's very inexpensive. In fact, for the following three days, that's my my son who is a businessman who runs my my website. He suggested. in the following three days, anybody who listens to this um, to this show can download the program, all twelve videos with the forty percent forty four zero. I I never pronounce it correctly. I always doubt it sounds like fourteen four four D my son taught me 40, 40, four uh, 40% discount. You just need, when you uh, pay, you need to write, uh, when it's written a promo code, uh, Peter, P-R-N, P-E-T-E-R, P-R-N, for PRN, Good. okay? And now uh, we turn this page over, uh, we'll go, I was hoping that we'll have enough time, and it seems that we do. I want us to start on the biggest part of our journey um, of the six pillars of well-being, and that is the fifth pillar. Our conscious beliefs, attitudes, and personal qualities. It's about what we do know about ourselves. Remember, we spoke about the unconscious beliefs, now this is something that we are aware of it's about who we are who we know who we are because our beliefs attitudes and personal qualities are major contributors to how we feel and act in the world but first before we work on any of our beliefs attitudes and personal qualities we have to totally embrace and accept them all. We have to accept who we are. Let me, I actually prepared for you something here. I was hoping that I will get to it today. Let me read to you what a great Persian poet and Sufi master and mystic uh, Jalal ad Rumi wrote on the same subject in 13th century. Being human is a guest house. Every morning is a new arrival. Joy, depression, and meanness. Some awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Treat each guest honorably. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. How brilliant. You know, almost 800 years later, the psychiatrist Basel van der Kolk, who, by the way, will have here soon For an interview, Dr. Koch wrote that in order to truly heal, we must first accept all parts of ourselves. And how beautifully Ruby wrote about it. 800 years ago, we think we're different. We are not. We're in the same boat. We're different only in a degree, not in kind. We're in the same boat now as humanity in 2000. Uh, 2100 actually 2021 and we were the same 800 years ago nevertheless I believe that one of the reasons we come into this world is that once we recognize and accept all the parts of ourselves we begin to gain mastery over them, over those parts, over those qualities or, as my teacher of blessed memory, Madame Colette Bouquer Muscat said, we must climb the ladder, the ladder of ourselves to become the best we can be. I have identified 13 a- attitudes, or you can call them attitudinal. Ch- challenges that we all face i used to call them 13 plagues but my students talked me out of it because they said if you say plagues people will get will get scared will get turned away will not like it it's too uncomfortable to hear so i identified 13 uh, challenges that we all face uh, and that make a climb up that ladder of self-mastery difficult at times impossible. Some of us have to deal with uh, very few of those challenges. I, don't, I do not assume that everyone who is listening has to deal with all of them. As some uh, have to deal with more than one or two or five. I will tell you what those challenges are. One is guilt, living in guilt. The other one is judgment. The other one is arrogance, jealousy, expectations, worry, anger, doubt, ingratitude, vanity, greed, apathy, and denial. Uh, why, by the way, you may think, why did I position these issues in this particular order? Well, Uh, All of these challenges can be actually positioned in a different order, except one, guilt. We absolutely need to address guilt before any other. Why? I tell you. As, As Dr. Gerald Epstein said, we cannot disown what we don't own. To transform inequality or attitude, we first must acknowledge that we have a problem in that area. We need to honestly look at ourselves, to admit to ourselves that that we have those imperfections, to recognize to what degree they may control our lives. And if we are guilt-prone, these realizations, this awareness may become too heavy for us to bear. They may overwhelm us to the degree that they may render us incapable of making the very change that we feel we must make because the guilt takes so much energy. That is why the first personal attitude or issue we're addressing is guilt. Guilt literally means death, D-E-B-T. If you are guilty, you are indebted. Most of the time, it's easier to pay the debt than to carry the burden of the debt unpaid. But first, we must must accept that everything we did was 100% appropriate. I repeat, everything you did till this very moment was 100% appropriate. Right now, I, I can see whoever is listening, some of you, maybe thinking this guy doesn't know what he's talking about he's out of his mind some may even think he doesn't know what i did it was terrible believe me i understand i've been there i don't know anybody who didn't make mistakes who doesn't have or has zero guilt i did not say that all that you did is was right or good only that when you acted the way you did, you were who you were. You could not have been anyone else. If you were at the different level of consciousness then, you would acted or thought accordingly to what, what you were then. But right now, at this very moment, your consciousness is telling you to think or act differently. This is 100% appropriate for this moment. To act the way you acted in the past was within the, within the possibilities of your consciousness. And you needed to act that out in order to come to what you understand now. You, you, you see what I'm saying? So you can choose now how you want to think or act and how you want to address the past thoughts and, slash, or actions. If you are certain that in the past you wronged somebody, follow four steps outlined by Philo of Alexandria, who lived in, in Egypt, Alexandria, two millennia ago. First confession of the heart. Think thoroughly of what had happened and admit to yourself of your responsibility for what you have done. Then confession of the lips. Tell one person that you trust about what had happened. The next step, Philo said, pay the accounts payable, make a correction. If the error is of uh, financial nature, pay all that you owe. If you hurt someone emotionally, uh, call or write a letter, admit your error and apologize. If a person is no longer alive, Or is unreachable, make a contribution to a charity that you believe this person, not you, would appreciate. And fourth, step number four, make a commitment not to do it again. After having paid the debt, do this mental exercise. But right now, um, if you made the commitment to follow the four steps uh, that I just told you about, you still can do the exercise or you can write it down and do it after you completed the four steps. Do whatever feels right. But if you want, if you are confident that you actually will and you're committed to follow these four steps, then once you do the exercise, you have to do within the shortest period of time possible to actually go through these four steps, okay? So you will then close your eyes breathe out gently nice and easy inhalations slow exhalations and think we imagine a red ribbon imagine yourself taking a golden pen and write on the ribbon all the things you feel or felt guilty about Go to the desert, dig a hole in the sand, and throw the ribbon into the hole and set the ribbon on fire. See it burn, disintegrate, and when only ashes are left, cover them with the sand, walk away, and see the wind of the desert erase any traces of where the ashes are buried. Any time in the future, if the thought about anything written on the ribbon comes to your mind, as soon as you realize that you're thinking about that, stop. Do not go to the, into the content of that. There is none. Simply close your eyes for a split second and see the wind of the desert blowing over the sand. And breathe out when ready, open your eyes. Now, if you doubt whether or not you wronged someone, it is possible uh, you tend to assume false guilt discuss the issue with two or three uh, individuals you believe are impartial it's very important if they tell you that indeed you are in debt pay the debt by doing uh, the four steps that i described or the file suggested if all of them tell you that you have no debt trust their word Uh, you have taken upon yourself the false guilt. If you discover that you assumed false guilt, remember then you live for a while, maybe for a long time with something that is false. You wronged yourself. Then here's what you do. Step one, you write down on a standard sheet of paper the content of that false guilt. Then write after you finish that, you a writer, make a line and under it write, I acknowledge this, whatever it was, describe the nature of it as false guilt and release myself from it. Step two, you take the paper and fold it four times. Then unfold it. When you unfold a paper that was folded four times, you will see there are, it's bent in 16 segments. So take scissors and cut the paper in 16 pieces. Put it on a plate. Use aluminum foil plate, don't ruin a good plate. And take the pieces to the bathroom to burn them. Set them on fire. See every piece burn and disintegrate. And when only ashes are left, flush them down the toilet. And as you walk away, as you close the bathroom behind you for a split moment, then you close your eyes and see yourself being a bird. Anytime time in the future, if the thought about that false guilt comes to your mind, as soon as you realize that you are thinking about that, stop. Stop going into the content of the false guilt. Simply close your eyes for a moment and see the ashes going down the drain. It looks like... Uh, I cannot take you to the next um, attitudinal challenge or next trait or characteristic. We'll continue uh, our journey through the fifth pillar next time. That will not be next week. Next week, we'll have a guest, as I told you, Marion Bleek. And uh, the two weeks from now, we'll continue. And please, please. Uh, write to me. If you had some experiences, i see nobody called uh, at least, you know, sometimes I actually miss, they call me from, they write to me from uh, the studio and I get so excited that I don't see them writing. Uh, but no, it doesn't look like so. But do feel free, please, to write to me. And some people I, I know because I receive a lot of emails and people are shy to call in or don't have an opportunity. Uh, I, I assume they're listening on a on cell phone and in order to call, they have to uh, get offline with listening, uh, whatever way, they, uh, many people cannot reach me, but I do receive a lot of emails, feel free to write to me, I will be happy to speak about it and following uh, a show or to write back to you. Uh, Thank you again in advance for writing and uh, our time together came to an end. I want to thank you for being with me today. I hope that you will be with us uh, next time when I invite the the guest and and the following time when we continue. I can even give you a little tease. Next time we'll be talking about judgment and arrogance and possibly something else if we can, if we have enough time. And that's all for now. Peace to all who want to live in peace.